Hello and welcome to another edition of Back of the Grid. I'm your host Stu and I'm joined as always by Tom. Hello. And by, oh, I caught you, caught you off guard a little bit there Tom, you were like <laughs> looking in the other direction. Uh, and Green by chat. Chris. Hello, welcome back. Hello, it's good to be back. I'm excited. I'm very, very excited to talk about this one. Um, yeah, welcome to another episode. Um, don't forget to subscribe if you're new. Um, leave us a like or a comment if you disagree or agree with anything that we're saying. Um, do join the patron if you really like us. And um, yeah, join the Predictions League as well. Um, don't For the people that are listening live, don't worry. We haven't already reached the end of the show. I just want to do it a little bit different this week so that YouTubers see that we've got a Predictions League. Um, and you can, and we are going to go through the predictions league results for this week right now in an abrupt change to normal service. <laughs> so, Tom, you usually do this. Are you prepared? Have you got everything ready? For... Of course, I'm prepared. I've always got everything ready for this. Wait, what okay. we're we doing? <laughs> so let, <laughs> let's do this. Let's 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 quickly get the predictions done, and then we can get into the meat of the episode. Okay, so a roundup of Austria predictions. Um, we didn't do so well, considering how we said that things can be quite predictable, mainly because me and Chris took a punt on fastest qualifier. Um, Foolish. So only one point each for us there with the Verstappen win. Double Verstappen paid off for you, Stu, but more importantly, listener and viewer predictions. We've got uh, a bunch of people who all tied for first place because they all scored four. So no perfect five out of five this week, but... Quite a few fours. I'll quickly rattle some names off. So we've got Eric Mills, Nick Esmore, ABK, Sam Christie, Gareth Walker, and Davis Gorick. So congratulations to all you for your four out of five this week. Um, in terms of the overall standings, that leaves Benjamin Claxton in first with 22 points. And then tied in second, we've got James Hunt and Effortlessly, both with 21 points. So, yeah. That's very all. well done all the prediction-y stuff. Um, do very a quick well mention of fantasy leagues as well. Um, so we've got oh, we a league on grid rival. Yep. Yeah, if it's literally just... My new favourite team name across any of the things we do. Uh, I mean, okay, there's, there's, there's four great team names here, so you'll have to say which one. So our grid rival winner this week was Krusty Onion with 1,119 points. Our overall standings leader is still effortless leader with 9,107 and in the F1 fantasy, my heart will grow. John is one with 488 <sighs> points, <laughs> and overall the leader is Spinquisition with 2,491. Um, <laughs> details for all of those things are on the website at backofthegrid.com. Links to the fantasy leagues and obviously options to join the predictions league. Yep, and it is always worth um, submitting your predictions for every race because there is a prize for anyone who gets five out of five. Um, so even if you haven't entered so far this season, still every single individual race is treated as its own sort of mini championship. If you do get that jackpot five out of five, you will get a prize. Um, right, let's get into the episode. Um, we've got a lot to talk about this week. Uh, we've got some tracks limits. We've got the obvious usual race results, race shenanigans throughout the entire thing so let's get into it track limits chris track limits that's what we've got to talk about we'll just dive straight in so Ooh. okay well, let's, let's just do the facts of it first then we can there's so much to talk about here so we had we had seven drivers penalized for track limit violations during the race but aston martin then protested the results after the race claiming that there were multiple other violations to which the stewards basically said 
yeah, we will, for, for the official thing, we will sign the thing that says we accept your protest, but we're already looking at it. Um, all in all, right. they said there were over 1,200 possible breaches of track limits throughout the race to be investigated. What? Which they understandably couldn't keep up with, which explains why there were so many... Well, A, there were so many given during the race, 5, 10, 15 laps after they happened. And it also goes some way to explain why there were 12 post-race time penalties applied um, given to eight drivers. Uh, Hamilton, Sainz, Gasly, Albon and Sargent all had 10 seconds added to their race time. De Vries had 15 seconds added. Um, and Ocon had a record four penalties totaling 30 seconds of added time to his race. You know what's crazy about that figure, if they're saying that that's right, 1,200 uh, that they were investigating. Over the course of 71 laps, that's like 17 per lap, which yep. basically means that pretty much everyone crossed the line every single lap or, or came close enough for them to want to investigate it. There were actually, <laughs> there were only two drivers that didn't have a single lap deleted across the whole Grand Prix. Um, it was George Russell and Zhou Guanyu because uh, Zhou Guanyu posted a thing on Instagram saying uh, he's delighted with his P2 today if you count who completed the most actual official racing laps. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> if you remove the deleted laps, it's uh, George Russell's second win and Joe's first podium. Um, <laughs> and all of that was only after the stewards basically made up a new rule on the fly. So the... The official rules around this are um, three infringements, you get a black and white flag. The fourth one, you get a five-second penalty. And the fifth one, you get a 10-second and then a 10-second every infringement after that. The stewards this time basically said, there are so many, we are basically having a reset at the point you get five, and then they'll start counting up the infringements again. So Why? for someone to have... They basically said because there's so many, that's they added a, in a reset to that's stop not a, it getting ridiculous. But, yeah, that's exactly, the rules are the rules. The rules yeah, are the well, rules. you can't just make up a new rule to stop it getting ridiculous. If it gets ridiculous because of your rules, it gets ridiculous because there's yeah. the rules, <laughs> right? Like, um, surely. Yeah. And then the stewards signed off by saying that they strongly suggest a better solution is needed at this track, which, I mean, I couldn't agree with more. Um, yeah. I mean, where it's, do we begin? It's the Oprah... Um, gif isn't it you get a penalty you yeah. get a penalty yeah. you get a penalty it really is i mean it it made f1 just look a bit silly didn't it it was like the bad old days of formula e where you'd watch a race then you'd have to come back an hour later to see what the actual result was because they were dishing out so many post-race mm. penalties and bizarre really bizarre yeah. i mean so, it it's one of those things as well, though, where what doesn't help matters or didn't help from what I've heard pretty much most of the drivers saying is they weren't even being told that they were being looked at for track limits until after they'd been given a penalty. Yeah. So they weren't even like being given that the, the feedback the wasn't working its way for them to be made aware they are pushing the limits. And like, I mean, Yes, there's an argument to say they're the best drivers in the world and they should understand where the white line is. But if as far as they're concerned, where they are is acceptable because they're not being told otherwise, they're going to keep doing that lap after lap after lap after lap. Yeah. Because exactly. they're not being told 
that what they're doing is an infringement. So there's, there's got to be an element of responsibility with the FIA to actually feedback that incidents being yeah. looked at. Because you can't expect a driver to make adjustments and stop doing that if they're not being told that they're in violation of it or, or at least being looked at. Like every other circuit we go to, if someone does something that's either over that white line or very close to it, a message is relayed back and you always get that being relayed then from the team to the driver of we need to watch limits at turn whatever. And it felt like there was none of that this weekend. And the FIA will say, oh, yeah, but there were so many going on, we couldn't keep up. And like, well, I'm sorry, but we've known for the last five years what this corner's like and what this circuit in particular is like. So do better. Like, if you're an international racing body, you should be able to mm. facilitate someone to watch a corner and report back if there's some, there's people exceeding track limits there. You could even argue that they should have seen this coming Friday or Saturday as well. Mm -hmm. Like through practice and we had two qualifying sessions, the amount of laps being deleted. You know, again, it's nice to sit here and say in hindsight, but you would have hoped someone within the FBI would have kind of gone, hang on, if we're getting this many in practice and qualifying. And then again, I guess at that point, were they just trusting the drivers to not be pushing the limits as hard in the race as they did in qualifying, which well, makes sense, right? That's what you'd expect. But there's, there's an interesting point raised by Albon. I can't remember if anybody else brought it up, but Albon was basically saying that, you know, had had I known sooner, I would have definitely made, you know, more of an effort to, to be further away from the curbs. But also the wind during the race was not only changing direction, <laughs> but also particularly right, a bad crosswind going through that final sector for everyone and, except russell and joe and probably the yeah but well yeah but here's the thing like you've got literally all but two drivers that have had at least yeah uh, an, an infringement so there's got to be something to it but like he, his point was that it wasn't it, it, it yeah but it, the, the point regardless of that like the thing is that his main point was I wasn't being told. Like, yeah. yes, there's elements of the circuit at play, like the crosswinds. That might be an explanation for why there was just so much of it. But honestly, if you don't tell them, they can't be held responsible, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, that, I agree with that. But I think the, the the crosswind argument is is a bit weak. I think it's the same for everyone. And I, I suppose if it is the same for everyone, everyone's making the same mistake, then maybe it does kind of validate that argument, but it does sound very much like a race driver excuse to me, that point. I'd, I'd be uh, interested to see if any of the others have brought it up, though, out, out, yeah, just out of interest. Yeah. I wonder if there's been some sort of disagreement in the driver briefing before the race with the FIA and um, with the drivers <laughs> or with... Drivers, some drivers and some others and the FIA kind of trying to prove a point and just saying we're going to come down really hard on you we don't care what you think we're going to we're going to enforce this whether you like it or not um, it's possible but then for, for them to be this the pedantic same... about it and be getting every mm. single one and also how have they managed to like they've done well to identify 1200 breaches have they got a camera just like on there and they're just watching every single lap and every single driver going around like how are they seeing this but apparently the driver's meeting was cancelled this weekend, so uh, <laughs> there's your answer to that question, which might no. be part of the problem, actually, thinking about mm. it. Yeah. Um, 
the, the problem is this is exactly the rules we were asking for for a number of years like every time we've talked about trap release in the years gone by it's all been because different corners have different rules and all we ever asked for was just make it the white line and mm-hmm. that's all they're doing is enforcing the rule that everybody asked for the problem is it's i think it's that there's a lot of oh they're supposed to be the best drivers in the world just keep it between the lines out there which i think is massively oversimplifying it like okay. yeah there's Huge so many factors at play i don't think that's where the problem comes from like ultimately like we've said the, the biggest issue i think with all this is just how slow the process is meaning a driver's not going to change the way he's driving until he's told he has to. And if exactly. it's already too late by the time you're told and you've already got a penalty, then I don't know how they fix that. Like, Well, they fix it. I mean, the, the, there's a number of ways they can fix it. So there's technology they could put. They could If they've got a camera on there and they've got a sensor on there, they can tell when a car's gone all the way over and they can just hook that sensor up to each each driver. And, you know, if Formula E can detect when someone goes through a particular area of track for to, to do the Joker lap or whatever it is, what is it? Yeah. The, um, to, the uh, speed the boost thing. Attack boost. mode. Attack yeah, attack mode. mode. Yeah, that's it. When, if they can detect where a car is to do that, then surely Formula One can detect where a car is on track on its way Matt, around the circuit, even if it's using remember, G- GPS. I remember British touring cars having sensors off track to sense people like cutting corners yeah, years ago. Like, obviously, that's again kind of maybe oversimplifying things a little bit, but like it, it's a possibility for sure. And I, I do think technology is the answer. <laughs> like, F1 is a sport about developing technology to solve problems. So, surely. F1 as a sport can engineer a solution to this yeah. problem. Yeah. Okay. So I think we're getting we are getting into like the sort of solution part of this now. I think so. I think I'm going to dip into the inbox if that's okay. Yeah, makes Go sense. Go for it. Yeah. So um, Callum Callum McIntyre asks um, if you were to create a physical and I, I actually asked the Discord a similar question to this as well. So I'm going to lump all this in together and we'll do all this now. Yeah. Um, Callum asks if you were to create a physical way to control track limits, what would it be? Because I can't think of, because I can't take more of this track limit, I can't speak. (laughs) I can't take any more of this track limit rubbish, especially given the delay between the offence and the penalty. Um, So I asked the Discord a very, very similar question to this. You know, what is the solution? Um, The first solution I got was from Dennis, and it's just a gif of some gravel. (laughs) The first one. Uh, The second one is uh, from Lance Stroll down memory lane. He says, or she said, they say sausage curbs or bring back Massey. Um, Ocon got so many, they're <laughs> going to have to send him back to F2. <laughs> um, Jose says, be as strict at every circuit and they'll get used to it or add a barrier. Um, Benson, one second penalty per, infrict, per infringement or add the abrasive paint from Paul Ricard. Um, Paul says temporary wall like Saudi. Uh, Wesley says temporary surface technology. So that was kind of, I've got a similar idea to that as well, which I'll which we can discuss after this. Um, and Clarence says my trap limits solution would be to put a DRS detection panel on the outside of turn 10. Any car that hits this panel because they're off track 
gives DRS automatically to the following car and loses any DRS they had. <laughs> I actually really like it. It's kind of like a convoluted way, but I, 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 yeah. I don't hate it's it. It's like... It's like hitting a banana skin in Mario, that one. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much, yeah. I mean, we're getting, we're getting down towards that. I had the idea, so like that's the, the, those are some of the ones we got from the Discord, and you can join the Discord. If you become a patron, you can join the Discord, and you can be a big part of this, and we read stuff out every week. Um, the, so, it, right, in, when the World Cup was in, what was it, like South, it was in, I think it was in Japan, Years and years ago, uh, like Japan, South Korea, shared Japan and South Korea, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a particular stadium there that had a changeable surface, and each of the um, stadium surfaces were on like were basically on a big bed of concrete with a bunch of holes in it, like a network of air tunnels in it, and and they were basically hovercraft, and they pumped air through it, and they could move these different surfaces into position in the stadium depending on whether it was like an event that needed a hard surface or depend an event that needed a grass surface, that kind of thing. And this is, these things are the size of a football, like a soccer pitch, a football pitch. They're huge and they can move them relatively easily move them into position whenever they, whenever, where and whenever they need to do it for whatever particular event they've got. So I wonder if there's a way of creating like some sort of recess along like behind the curbs and, having something similar to that that slots into place so they can have yeah. like a gravel trap in there and then lift it out if yeah. they need to they can have like a flat surface for the motorbikes they can have a grass surface if they want to uh, over there you know it's so- something like that to to sort of solve the problem of the permanence of the circuit because yeah. it's just not yeah. working for these racetracks at the moment having this to- is Having to only have having to only do it one way and not have a gravel trap. It, it, there's no catch-all yeah, solution. You've got so, to be accommodating for everyone that uses the circuit. Yeah. Totally get that. Like you can't just go. Well, let's just make it all a gravel trap. Like the FIA is it the FIA that have said um, to to the circuit, you need to put a gravel trap back in here. We're urging you to do this, but yeah, that's not good for when the bikes turn up. Like exactly, it's and it's not fair. I mean. Is MotoGP FIA regulated? Probably not. I no, assume. FIA bikes. Yeah. Yeah. So they're not going to care in reality who they yeah, who else they inconvenience, and that's just that's not the way to go about things. But I mean, Logan Sargent mentioned something not too dissimilar to this when he was talking about it, where they said to him, like, you know, what would help, and he just said, just two foot of grass or something, something that if your outside wheels get on it by you crossing too far over, it's going to be a big disadvantage and you it's going to inherently make you more careful about that corner. Mm-hmm. And something like that, that is in like a removable recess or a changeable recess means exactly the same sort of thing that we're talking about. Like how many circuits for years had like big strips of AstroTurf out there? I mean, some still do. Yeah. And that seems to work and solve its purpose because I don't know if they take it up for other series, but it's far less of an inconvenience than sticking a gravel trap next to the circuit, mm. but it's enough of a deterrent that nine times out of 10, probably more, a driver is not going to push all the way across there because there's that instantaneous loss of traction on something like grass or, or gravel uh, or yeah. um, AstroTurf that they, they want to avoid at all costs in reality. So I think you need something like that round a corner like this, especially something high speed like what this is. 
Mm. The, the gravel argument like really annoys me because, as you say, the FIA have said <laughs> it, and a, a number of team, I think some of the team principals like suggest it as well. And it's such an F one answer to the problem because that solution exists in the F one bubble and ignores yeah. the fact that that racetrack has to exist for the other fifty one weeks of the year, where you've got motorbikes, you've got junior series who are more likely to go off the track, and you know it's better if they can get back on and continue getting experience like Mm -hmm. track days, like track days are a huge source of income for circuits. If you stick gravel traps everywhere, you can have a red flag every few minutes and no one's going to get value for that. Like it's such a, a non-starter. Um, and the, like sausage curds were mentioned, they need to go away forever. Yeah. Over the last few yeah. years, they need to be gone. Um, yeah. Like this idea of just having essentially kind of fancy Lego at the side of the track, like just take out the bit that's there and put in a bit that works for the series that's happens to be there. Seems like a good way of doing things. Yeah, I mean, and it literally all it has to be is like it doesn't even need to be as advanced as this, you know, the the, the Japanese football stadium route. It could be as simple as just they're all got they've all got holes in the molds of the concrete for a um, forklift truck to lift them up. Because you're <laughs> yeah. probably only gonna they're probably gonna be two meters long, maybe two maybe a meter wide, and they just line the edge of the curb, and yeah. you probably as need ten of them going down the. Down the, down the length of the track and then along along the exit, you know, along the part that people are going off on, and then yeah. it solves the problem. Yeah, you know, no one will. As long as no they're like heavy enough and okay. heavy enough, secure yeah. down enough, the F one car is not going to rip them out of the ground. Oh yeah, they'll be bolted is, down. Yeah, but again, there's lots of bits of racetracks that are essentially bolted down. Like it's not. Yeah, it, it just it needs it just needs something like something better than what we've had because F1 has just looked a bit silly this whole weekend, which is a shame because it was a really good race until we started having all of these infringements and these, this is the crazy thing. Penalties and the first, especially the first half of this, and we will get into the actual race in a moment, but um, (laughs) the, the first half of the race was epic. Um, There is of course, like an argument to say there's a, there is a really, really, really simple solution to this. And it's, we just don't police track limits in this way. You know, yeah, fair enough if someone cuts a corner and it's an obvious egregious break yeah. of leaving of the circuit and gaining an advantage, that's clearly like a huge, huge issue. But if you didn't police it, then everyone would just do it anyway and that if they're all taking if it's the same for everyone they're all taking the same line they're all going to find the fastest way around the track anyway so yeah but then you've only got to go back and look at the first time indycar ran at kota to see how hmm. ridiculous the other direction that can look honestly i don't have a problem with that i don't have i mean that that i would call that probably an egregious infringement of <laughs> <laughs> I think, but then i suppose we're getting into the realms of sort of making rule I mean not not that it stops them but because they've made a rule well yeah apparently but we are getting into the realms of the problematic world where where we are sort of applying one rule for in one way and then maybe quite a different this whole thing comes from that school of thought I guess and because what I don't understand is why they're applying it so vigilantly here when at other circuits probably in Silverstone next week there'll be stuff 
stuff like this will happen and they'll probably no mm. one will bat an eyelid you know no one will care yeah. i'm sure things like this i'm sure there were infringements worse than this uh, um in spain the race before and no you know it's not been brought to anyone's attention no one's done it the other thing i hated about it the beginning of the race was just the tittle tattle going on among all the drivers they're all like yeah. grassing each other up dobbing yeah. each other in so to, to me it says they're simultaneously partaking themselves yeah there must have been i think part of this has come about because there if there wasn't a driver briefing this has to be a result of that because i think maybe they've done some sort of email instead of a proper driver meet briefing and just said this is how we're going to do it and no no drivers had any chance to have any input and affect you know how the rules are going to be applied and, and confirm and, and understand because it, i'm sh- surely if this came up in the driver's briefing the drivers would all say well we're all going to be doing the same thing anyway. We're, no one's going to necessarily gain advantage because we'll all be doing it. So what difference yeah. is that? As long as you're not running super wide, then... And that's that's the problem, isn't it? If you're just like, oh, it was only a couple of inches. Well, as soon as you say that's okay, then suddenly the track limit is the white line plus two inches. Then the next driver does mm. three inches. See if they get away with that. And, and ultimately, you have to reach a point where you do draw a line and say, oh, now you're taking the Michael Massey. And like, uh, there's always going to, there has to be a line somewhere. So why not make that line the actual physical line that's on the track? But then we're back to 1200 infringements because it's not the easiest thing in the world to avoid it. I think with the way it is at the moment, I think the only, the simplest solution for them is to just stop policing it altogether and and let see how they go see just see what happens like if you if you don't police it see what happens and as long as no one's cutting a chicane and getting away with it then i think it'll yeah. be fine because everyone's just naturally going to find the fastest line through the racetrack the formula one drivers are the best in the world they're all driving i'm about to dispel my own argument here but they're all more or less driving the same lines usually unless it's wet um and unless it's Lando Norris, who had the widest line round turn three. Yeah. No one else was using, but it was getting him amazing traction and he was he did really well from it. But anyway, maybe we should now move on to the actual race. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> um, I mean, we, we always start with Max because he's, he's always going to win. He only won so by five he's, seconds he's this week. winner, isn't he? I mean, um, you say he only won by five um, seconds. He only won by five seconds because he decided because to have an extra pit stop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It would have been twenty-three seconds at least if if uh, yeah, yeah he had a good I mean, twenty-something seconds before he he took the pit stop. Hundred percent. Quite a bold choice to do that with that smaller margin. Like he only came out a couple of seconds ahead of Leclerc. Like yeah, I, well, that, sh- that shows huge faith in his pit crew because it only takes one sticky wheel nut and mm. you've lost the race. Yeah, or it so, takes, you know, something mad from the FIA in the pit lane towards the end of the race as well, because that we, we weren't far off mm. that. Did you see one of the pit crew went running over to uh, all these um, these metal barriers to push them out of the way so that Max really? had room to get into his pit box when he... Uh, I did but, not see it, that. It wasn't huge. Like it, it, I think they were like getting ready to take them out and put them into... Like, basically setting up part Fermi. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, they were definitely. I mean, they wouldn't have gone and moved them if he didn't think they were in the way. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, he like they moved about three or Thought four barriers, just pushed them back towards the wall and thing. It's just again, it's another. I mean, you can't blame shouldn't be there, for it. should they? Well, it's it an, shouldn't be there in the first no. place. The, the yeah, race, it shouldn't the be there during an active wide. race. Yeah, yeah. 
So yeah, uh, that was a bit, a little bit crazy. That might actually be my WTF of the of the <laughs> of the race. That one. But oh, there's plenty anyway. of that, plenty of candidates yeah, for that. Other stuff. Yeah, definitely. I think it was um, it it was risky biscuits from Verstappen to do that. I think if if that had gone even slightly wrong, then there's a there's a good chance that he's losing that race. Um, it's obviously there's confidence there, but mm-hmm. I think it was a needless risk. I think if if it had been if I'd been in charge, I would have absolutely put... If I'd been Christine Horn, I'd have put my foot down and said, no, stay. Yeah, I think stay I, I guess we're not risking this race for this. The, home race. The big difference as well is that the car behind is not the team. The fastest lap was currently held by the other driver the within the team. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like it's a close title fight at this point that that point significantly matters. Like, there's a whole checklist of, is it worth it because of the following? And it's like a no, 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 no on on all of them. The, the only thing that that ultimately does is it just cements the, this is my team vibe, basically, of Verstappen over... Sergio Perez. That's that's all that does. It just solidifies the. I I can take the fastest lap whenever I want, and the team are gonna basically let me do it. So well, it's mm-hmm. not. I think I don't think it's even the team at this point. It's basically the whole thing is Max Verstappen's team. Max Verstappen does. What yeah, he that's wants, what I mean. Even when yeah. even yeah. when it, the engineers tell him not to do, even if even if Christian had come on the radio to tell him not to, he probably still would have come in. <laughs> so priority one. She just Max pulled happy. in and we're like, where are my tires? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's his fifth win and eighth podium at this track, which makes it his most successful track on the calendar. I mean, I mean we, we we do the think of something new to say about how good Max Verstappen is segment every week, and you quickly run out of things to say. Yeah, mm-hmm. he remains unbeatable. He's very good. Um, and he's in a very good car, and he is a very good driver. He did, however, lose his leading laps streak that he's held since midway through the Miami Grand yes. Prix. Because Ferrari led some laps. Mm. Because Ferrari were pretty good again. That's two races in a row now where the Ferrari has had some pretty good pace. I think the thing that kind of stood out a little bit more than anything for me with this is the degradation was a little higher than expected and Ferrari still stayed within that sort of yeah. window that they were in. And I think that's promising for Ferrari. That's something to kind of put a bit of a pin in and think like, you know, we're on the right track here now because with the degradation that we had this weekend being a little bit more excessive than than thought, that's like alarm bells for Ferrari and that's them tumbling towards the back of the point scorers in in previous iterations of this car. Yeah. Whereas they managed to hold that hold out um and looked quite racy to to be fair like i mean science is a little bit unlucky to not be on the podium as well if you ask me um played a bit of a bit of a team game to some degree for leclerc and got a little bit shuffled backwards because of the slow stop when they stacked on it like there were just a few things that didn't fall his way and he was a little bit unlucky i think but overall it's a much better showing from ferrari than we've seen earlier in the season yeah, I mean, let's talk about science. He, I mean, he was 
definitely the faster of the two drivers at Ferrari for mm-hmm. most of the weekend. Sainz um, was robbed. He was absolutely robbed yeah, by Ferrari. Yeah. Like, he was clearly faster than Leclerc in the opening stint, and they told him not to fight. They decided to double stack them under the virtual safety car and made a hash of it, even though he wanted to stay out. Um, obviously, he picked up a time penalty or two, which was his own, well, he wasn't his own doing, but everybody was doing that. Um, in like, yeah, like I say, then he kind of played the defensive role against Perez, which he did an exceptionally good job of that. That gave uh, Leclerc second place. I think Perez would have caught him otherwise. Um, there's a, there's a frustration with signs with the team that seems to be rearing its head most races these days. I think, yeah, I think he definitely had the pace to finish second that race, and in the end, he was what like sixth after the penalties. Uh, I think um, yes, he dropped down to sixth. He, sh- he should have been fourth, shouldn't he? Realistically, it yeah. was it was a few seconds off Perez by the end, but yeah, it, the penalty he got. He was one of the ones in the 10-second crew, wasn't he? he so was, yeah. he dropped back behind Alonso and Norris. I think mm. Ferrari... He drove so well all weekend, though. I yeah. think Ferrari let, let Red Bull off the hook. I think if they'd let Perez through, uh, so if they'd let Sainz through, then this would have been a much more challenging race for Red Bull to win. I think he yeah. could have been... Absolutely. I think they would have had... Verstappen would have had to at least push harder. <laughs> Than, than what he was. You never know. Mm-hmm. Max Verstappen might have been having to push so hard that he could have got himself some penalties if they were dishing out penalties like Candy. So, um, yeah, Ferrari need to do better at recognizing when they're who who is the faster of their two drivers at a particular time and using the team to to try and get themselves a win. Because I think what they did to Science this weekend was not on. I think they absolutely screwed Science. Like. The, the double stack and science when science even says not to do he doesn't want to do it but then forcing him to do it and he complies yeah with them. Mm. i mean science partly is science should just stayed out he should have just overruled and just stayed out himself he's in the car yeah like they were always going to screw him with that um double stack because leclerc is the number one driver there for some reason leclerc is the number one driver there even though he's you know he's the most i've said it a million times he's super overrated that guy he's not i don't think he's even good as science it just feels like another case of like, but we're Ferrari. We don't make wrong decisions. We're Ferrari. So mm. the drivers do what we say. And, and even if it is obvious to everybody in the world it's a bad decision, we'll be like, no, no, we did the right thing. I mean, which drivers ahead in the world championship? Like any other yeah. team in the world, more or less, would have given some consideration of like who is faster and who is taking their opportunities and like all those things in combination would come to a decision of let him go attack and i mean every other team out there would have basically like essentially allowed the overtake to happen and there's a maybe a worst case they would have said if they can't pull a gap and they can't Swap them make distance on you we will swap back yeah and that's what the majority of teams would do in that scenario is orchestrate the swap and have something in place that's like that agreement and we were we were like the opposite of that do you know what i mean it's i don't know especially yeah. when like they're not in a world championship fight this season exactly. certainly not the drivers yeah fight. like it, if they were you could understand them deciding early on to put all their eggs in one particular basket but like 
at this point in time, all they're doing is maximizing points each race. And mm. you don't even need to look at who's wearing the championship. At that point in time, Signs was very clearly the faster of the two of them. Sending yeah. him down the road after Verstappen, like, yeah, yeah, definitely feel sorry for Signs that race. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Right, let's talk about Sergio Perez. Um, mm. We we should start by acknowledging that he has been really unwell all weekend. He was suffering the fever. Apparently, he, like barely slept. He's he's he said that he's. Not even sure he's going to be like back on full form for Silverstone. So there's an element of mitigating factor there. That being said, we can't get away from the fact that this is four races in a row now. He's not made Q3. And again, like for all we said about the track limits, it was all his own doing. Like mm-hmm. in qualifying, they were finding out about deleted laps pretty much straight away. And he's in the fastest car. He could drive that car at 95% and still easily be through. Yeah. And he had three laps and he made a hash of it three times. Like, I don't know if that's defensible. It's just not good enough. It's not. It's as simple as that. Um, he, he needs to, he's in the best car and he's not maximum. Obviously, he's managed to get himself to a decent position this weekend from what 15th on the grid i think he was at the yeah start. 15th up to the podium and then he was a bit of that qualified was... second for the sprint finished second in the sprint but some of that was strategy though wasn't it with the mm-hmm. with the 15th to the thing as well a lot of those were made when everyone pitted when he stayed out on the hards um yeah i think he's he's just not fast enough and red bull we could get into a situation where towards the end, if 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 Perez finds himself in positions where he's not getting enough points for the team, which is not a million, I don't think I don't think that's far away. I think the next few rounds of updates with McLaren, with Mercedes and Ferrari, they're probably going to be putting all that's going to be potentially six cars in between Verstappen and Perez, such as mm-hmm. the gap between them. And we all know what's happened when that's been the case in the past. You know, look at Albon, look at your Kvyat's, look at your... Gasly. Happens yeah, to Gasly Gasly's, as well. Gasly's, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They they were gone pretty quick. And, yeah. And those of you who... Get rid of... Oh, go on. Oh, the call for us for a second then. I think we were, we were good again. That might... That'll need an edit. <laughs> um... And for those of you who remember the path that all of those drivers went on who ultimately lost their seats, you'll recognize the point we've reached now, which is where both Perez and De Vries now are getting publicly criticized by Christian Horner and Helmut Marko, respectively. And there's definitely, you know, there's everything up until now has been the, the kind of publicly arm around him. He needs to work on stuff, but we're fully behind him at the point where the public criticism starts like it's a very slippery slope there um i think the decision has been made once that starts the, i think you wouldn't be publicly criticizing the driver to you know mm. that's not going to make them faster no no and it, it's pretty widely accepted now that de Vries has been given the old you've got until the summer break to turn things around kind of message the problem with, with red bullies though like what what do they do who Perez in particular, like what, what, as, as much as I still don't think they're going to do a mid-season swap, 
Like who who could I put in the car? Well, Ricardo would be. Daniel Ricardo. <laughs> here's 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 what I think could happen. Here's my sort of left field <laughs> opinion on what 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 I and maybe what I would even do if uh, if Perez isn't if Perez isn't doing the business, then probably get rid of De Vries. Just dispose of De Vries. He, he's he was always a bit of a wild dispose card. Dispose anyway. of De Vries. Sure what we're going to do with him? <laughs> um, and then poor guy. And then you, you know, just thinking of a ruthless team boss hat kind of thing. Um, you put Perez down into the Alpha Tauri just to finish off the season and get that team some points. And then you put, you give Ricardo a try in the uh, in the Red Bull. They've 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 wanted Red, they've wanted Ricardo back for years. Red Ricardo is very very happy to be back there. Um, mm-hmm. Why not give him a whirl? I mean, what's the difference? They're going to win the championship I mean, anyway. You might as well put him in a position where he can build his confidence on the racetrack. And then if you're going to use him again next season, he's going to be fully fit and he's ready to go. What was your, sorry, what was your defreeze scenario other than exterminating him? Uh, he's, he's just, he, he, he's he gone. You, you put him... You just who would you put in the seat, though? Sorry, did you did you say who you oh, put Perez. in the seat? Perez goes into, so you'd move Perez Perez goes down. into that seat. Because okay. yeah. then he gets yeah. some points for that team. See, the, the thing... The thing that Red Bull have kind of got, I guess, brewing in the background with this is you've got you've got Liam Lawson who's doing Super Formula at the minute, yeah, to keep Do fresh. Very good in Super Formula as well. And you've got Dennis Hauger who is F two at the minute. Um, so I think he's a little too green still, personally. Yeah, I think Hauger's going to need a little longer, but. I'm, I can imagine that Liam Lawson in particular is kind of sat in the background almost rubbing his hands together over all this criticism yeah, of sure. those two drivers, basically, because, I mean, you could find, like, Perez out at the end of the season and, and Lawson being the one that ultimately takes the Alpha Tauri seat long-term. Cause, well, I say long-term, it's a Red Bull seat, you know what I mean? Yeah. Next season. I think... Um... I think Sonoda's doing a really, really good job this year. Yeah. I would, I can't see them promoting him up yet, though. I, no, I don't I think he's ready for that. for another year or two at best. He's he, he struggled with the though. pressure of it, I think, at the moment. Oh, yeah. It, it would be chaos. You you in a Red Bull right now would be absolute chaos. I'd love it, but it would be chaos. Um, here's my question, though. How much do you think Red Bull are regretting cutting ties with Alex Albon at this point? Have they, well, they still have him on their books, don't they? Not anymore. Last season no. they did, but this season he is he's not a fully Williams driver. Oh, yeah. is he? I didn't realize that. Yeah. yeah. Um, probably a little bit. But I reckon he would be a great solution to a lot of their problems right now. If he I don't know if he would. Family. Like he had his chance, though, didn't he? He had his. I don't think like putting the, when you've booted the driver out then it's different. I think, you know, when you look at the the Ricardo situation, Ricardo left on his own accord. Yeah. And it was kind of like a sad kind of it's not you, it's me, it's not me, it's you kind of <laughs> situation for those guys. And and no one was quite happy in that relationship, but they probably needed a bit of a break. With with all the others, they've been, you know, hoofed out. They've been gone. They've been just gotten they've been disposed of, essentially. But the thing is, they they clearly still thought highly of Albon because they didn't just boot him out; like they kept him around. Yeah, they moved him for, through other things, didn't they? 
two years actually they had him yeah. around as kind of a simulator driver and working on drive developments and stuff and then his first williams year they still kept ties they clearly sort of had felt more tied to him than they did with a lot of the other drivers they did just unceremoniously boot out (laughs) and i don't know i think albon's a very different driver now to the albon that lost his red bull yeah and i think i think he could do a better job than some of the other drivers that um red bull have got i mean classic red bull tale of putting a driver in the top team before they're ready too early yeah totally yeah they, they think that everyone's Max Verstappen. They think everyone who drives but, for Red Bull is Max Verstappen. Every young driver yeah. is everyone do it, and it's just not the case. They've they've had two absolute gems in recent times with Sebastian Vettel being able to do what he did and Max Verstappen being able to do what he did. But they are the yeah. exception. They are not the yeah. rule. Like exactly. it's not a, just really because we've signed them into Red Bull as a teenager, they're gonna go on and win a world championship before the twenty one. It's not. It, that's not the case for the majority. They are two extreme exceptions. Remarkable talents, but extreme exceptions. And yeah. I think Red Bull feel like they've got this sort of magic Midas touched of we can take a, a fast young driver and turn them into a world champion before they hit the 20s. And unfortunately, it doesn't work like that for the vast majority. Nope. Um, Should we move on? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Lando Norris, um, he had big old upgrade package this weekend. And that coupled with a circuit he's just exceptionally good at. Um, led to fourth on the grid, finished fifth in the race, which then became fourth again after penalties. Um, great drive, stunning drive, like so quick, like dueling with various cars the way he passed hamilton and like put the chop on him on the entrance of the corner yeah. to be like audacious no, not coming back at me like yeah yeah Pro- that that's that's Those... the kind of lando norris drive we've really missed this year because his car's been a box yeah <laughs> um those two though hamilton and norris have had some like really really good races at this circuit yeah. in the yeah. past as yeah. well so yeah it was, it was good to see it's good to see norris just see good to see a McLaren mixing it at the front. And this is why I was saying earlier that, you know, Perez might have a problem with six cars between him and um yeah. and him and Verstappen in the not too distant future because those yeah. guys are all really seem to be progressing now. And you know, if you look at the jump McLaren have made with this upgrade, it's you look at it's obviously there's a delta between Piastri and with Norris, especially at this circuit, but still like Piastri didn't have all the upgrades big, big though this jump. week. Just, just no, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, that, that's the point I'm making. Like the comparison between the Piastri car that didn't have the upgrades and the Norris car that did have the upgrades. You know, you can see the huge, huge, huge jump, regardless of how much time there is between them, that the McLaren has made with this upgrade, and Definitely. that's part one of a three-part upgrade that's coming. Yeah. You know, part two in Silverstone, part three in Hungary, in theory, and by then both cars will have it. So. You really could be staring down. I mean, I, I don't see Piastri beating Perez, so maybe it's a five-car gap between Perez and Verstappen. But yeah. still, like, yeah, McLaren definitely appear to be on the right path as of this weekend. So if they can, yeah. if they can keep hooking it up and these upgrades work as they expect them to, which it looks like they might be, then yeah, they could be right in the mix with the Astons, Ferraris, 
Mercedes. Yeah. It's really, really good yeah. for Lando as well to turn it around after the backwards event that was the sprint as well because he'd qualified yeah. really well for both races and the sprint itself, he he kind of got bogged down, didn't he, in, in the damp conditions going into one into yeah, like turn two, I think it was. And he was just swallowed by everyone and never managed to really make it back, which was a real shame from, from the position he started in. So it's a good thing as well that that's gone straight out of his mind and he's then putting this performance in in the full GP to yeah to get to where he has. Like, I mean, that's obviously the ultimate sign of a professional driver is being able to to do that and get that stuff off your conscience or whatever out your mind and just you know reset and perform yeah. um but yeah really really solid solid drive from lando and i'm looking forward to piastri getting a car that's on par basically getting some of those upgrades and seeing where that then puts him um because you never know yeah, he's potentially going to be chopping at the heels of a few of those that lance uh, sorry lance lando's already ahead of um so of your ocons and and george russell's and people like that that are you know, somewhere in between where Lando appears to be and and the the cusp of the points, I think Piastri is going to be kind of coming at those people pretty soon. In that packed midfield, mm-hmm. um, yeah, Piastri's due to get just say Piastri's due to get that same upgrade package this weekend. Um, I mean, McLaren tend to not be in recent years at least they've not been great at Silverstone I think it's fair to say so it'll be interesting to see how they shake out this weekend but that's getting a bit ahead of ourselves yeah um I just played a few more teams Aston Martin ended up fifth and ninth after the penalties but that's two races in a row now they were behind the Ferraris on pace and Norris had more pace than both of them as well um obviously there's upgrades coming to all the teams sort of in a piggledy piggledy kind of fashion but can we start worrying that we've already seen the best of Aston Martin this season? Like, do you think they've probably been overtaken or are we, are we too early there to say that? I was very interested by an Alonso point where he said the Haas went really well here previously and we didn't go so good here. There's something we need to learn from that. Like what is the specific characteristics of this circuit that make them so much more like competitive to where they usually are and us so much weaker. So it was a very interesting angle for him to take. He seemed fairly positive about it all. Like, so whether he knows something we don't is a is another yeah. matter altogether. But it was an interesting way of looking at it. I thought he probably does. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> he he usually does. does. He's always got a plan. Um, Mercedes pretty miserable weekend. All in all, um, both qualifying sessions they really struggled. Um, I think they only made. Between the two of them, they only made one Q3 across both qualifying sessions. Um, ended up seventh and eighth in race. They said that the the rear end was really poor in the high speed, so they had to take out a load of front wing, and it just meant they were sliding everywhere. Um, I mean, we ended up with Toto on the radio, like, talking Hamilton down because he was just complaining constantly. Um yeah, it was, I got just sick of hearing, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> it was one of the, I think, you know, if there's a chink in Lewis Hamilton's armour, it's that he does occasionally have races like this where it's not quite going his way. The car doesn't, he's not happy with the car and he just gets a right grump on with it, doesn't he? And he just yeah. gets a kind, of, his bonnet. kind of gives up a little bit. Something. It doesn't happen he, that often. 
but when it does, it it does kind of you know it, it costs him time. It, it's weird. It goes one of two ways for him. I think he either gets like the bit between his teeth and it gives him extra pace, or it's like this and it just it just yeah causes him to like I don't know fester in it. And not, yeah, not it's much more anything. often the former than the latter. Hundred percent, hundred percent. It's much more often an incentive and a point-proven exercise for him. But yeah, like probably once a season, you get a race like this from him. I would say on average, where he's just yeah. that downbeat about something to yeah. do with the car or the situation that it's it's his think... pure focus, and it's a shame. But I mean, it happens to the best of us, I guess. I think as well, though, like in his defense, when when you've been given that penalty and you're staring at the car ahead of, ahead of you doing exactly what you've yeah. done and not there's no news coming through that that car's getting a penalty, that has got to be very mm-hmm. frustrating. You know, have you ever been told off for doing something that you didn't do <laughs> or that you feel you <laughs> or, didn't or do that somebody else is doing? Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. At the same time, like, there's nothing you can do about it. Like, complaining about it every single lap like yeah. i know i know the teams like to have reports of this so they can report it to um race control but like the t after after you've mentioned a couple of times like the team knows like you don't have to keep asking if other drivers have got penalties yet like just, just yeah i mean th- that is going a bit too far i think it is i i already said earlier that it, is, it was boring listening to the tittle tattle going yeah. on between mm-hmm. all the drivers onto the teams but i think yeah, I mean, if every, every everyone was doing it, it wasn't that wasn't just Lewis? That was everyone doing that. I think mm-hmm. you do have to if you've had that penalty and you see someone else is doing it, you do have to go on the radio and say he's done one, he's just done another one, he's just done it again, he's just done it again, and you just have to keep saying it until like eventually the FIA are going to hear it and they're going to have to look at it. But what he didn't yeah. know is that they were looking at one thousand two hundred yeah. of those events. <laughs> Literally yeah. 1,200 of that exact event busy. across the entire field. So, yeah, um, very, very frustrating, I think, for, for him and for... Look, it's frustrating for all the drivers. Like They, they would have yeah. been... None, no one has come out of this race happy with this result and happy with the way mm. this has been managed. I think it's outrageous. The way one man managed, has. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's one person on that. George Russell. Well, I'd, Max Verstappen, he doesn't care at this point. Well, he would do if he'd if he'd infringed one more time. I mean, he's got the car to that he doesn't have to push through yeah. that corner, so he doesn't need to. He, he was never really at that much risk, and they seem to sort of re, be able to relay to him quite quickly when he was on the verge of a penalty. It sounds like a lot of drivers didn't even get, you know, knowledge that they were had so many strikes. It sounds like they were just racking up completely unbeknownst to them. So. Mm. I would love to see like the full figures of you know which driver did what. I, I wonder if they've released that. If that's out, the FIA. I think I saw someone posting on a Discord like a league table of who did what or something. <laughs> but there were so damn many of them; it's like Ridiculous. near impossible to keep track of. Okay, last team we've got Haas. Yeah, quick mention to Haas. Um, Hulkenberg in particular, who was once again fantastic in qualifying, um, eighth in the race qualifying and fourth in sprint qualifying. Uh, had a nice cameo running second for a while in the sprint. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually did a really good job of calling the pit stop in the sprint race. Um, I could tell he was never going to hold on to that place, so they called a good pit stop and he got some points. But again, over Grand Prix distance, the Haas just both of them went backwards. 
like I think tire munching is a big part of their problem. Um, yep. But it's the same every week, isn't it? Qualify well, finish Can't in the back. In. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, dis- they're just destroying the tire. That's the problem. Yeah, it's like you see it every Hulkenberg pretty consistently outperforming Magnussen though, which is not what I would have expected pre-season. Um, yeah, we talked about it a little bit a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? The fact that it's you know at this point, although he's not got anything more than this year as contract, as far as we're aware, I think you'd be quite daft to let him go when whilst you're retaining Magnussen already. Um, he's doing well like, with his Hulk. Yeah, if I was the house team, I'd be giving him another contract at least. He's a, he's a steady hand. He's a steady hand yeah. for now. Yes. Isn't he? That's, and that's what they need. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Awards time. Um, who is your driver of the day? I think mine is Carlos Sainz. Despite getting the, t- the penalties and despite fin- only finishing sixth, I thought he drove fantastically that race. Mm. He's he was so fast, like much faster his teammate, uh, like dicing with Red Bulls. His defensive driving against Perez was unbelievable. Some yeah. of the other takes he pulled were top draw as well. I th- yeah, the dicing mm. that they sucks that he only got sixth place out of that. Yeah, that that was an amazing race that those two had. I, I was going to yeah. say similar. I was gonna, it's, it's between Science and Norris for me. Tom, who do you yeah. think? Yeah, I mean, I was happy with the official one, which was Norris. So. I mean, I'm kind of glad that you two have the opinion that you do on signs because I thought I was being a bit favoritist towards him <laughs> with him being one of like the drivers I support regardless of team. And I, I thought that that's why I sort of approached that last conversation that we had about him a while ago with, I think he was unlocated at it because I thought that venting my true opinion would <laughs> just be favoritism, but it appears I'm not alone. So I'm happy about that at least. Um, yeah, but I'd be happy giving it to look- either of them. <clears throat> I, f- I think this season, Carlos Sainz is the better driver than Charles Leclerc. I don't care who you are. Yeah, you just have I'd to agree with the, that. So you just far. have to look. Just have to look at the championship table. He's got more points. He's done better. Yeah. So you can't. I think the o- the only thing that makes me lean more towards Lando over Carlos on this occasion is the penalties. Like, you know, Norris doesn't have any. Sainz does. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. There is that. Uh, it's, the, it's the smudge on a, on a good performance, isn't it? I'm going to yeah. stick with Sainz so you can have the casting votes to you. Oof. Oof, don't do that to me. I, I, can we give it, it to both? I mean, we can, but... Is that the done thing? Have we ever done that before? I don't think we have done that. No, Pro- I think probably, make a but... Yeah, make a decision. Oh, God, this is hard. Don't, he's already written Norris down in there, look. No, I've written <laughs> them both down, because we keep... Oh, I thought, I, thought it was Chris. I thought it was Chris. I thought it was Chris. <laughs> Um, who do I think did better? I think I think for entertainment factor, I'm going to go science. I think I was more entertained watching science <laughs> dicing with uh, Leclerc than I was watching Norris chop Hamilton, which I also <laughs> did enjoy. So <laughs> yeah, let's go science. But it's very, okay. very, very quick. It's like literally 51% of me wants science, 49 percent wants Norris. <laughs> Let's um, move of the day. Yeah, let's do that. I've written four down and three and a half of them are signs. So <laughs> the signs love train continues. I mean, signs did Perez, Hamilton and Norris around the outside of turn four and they were all fantastic. I think the Perez yeah. one was probably the best of the bunch. Um, but any one of those I'd be happy with. 
Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go the science v Perez. Just the ding dong that they had against each other. I think it was yeah my, my, the highlight of the whole race for me. It was really good fun. That's why you watch Formula One. You want to sit, and that's why we changed. That's why all the aero regulations were changed so that this could yeah. happen. And yeah. it happened. So yeah. yeah. I can um, go with that. We've done that before. Give it just to like a battle a rather battle. than a specific move. Yeah. Yeah. I'm more than happy with that. Cool. Perfect. And my last one. Honestly, what the f- are we doing here? Whew. Well, there's, I mean, there's a really obvious, there's some, there's some pretty good ones on this list, actually. I haven't <laughs> seen this until now. Um, you got Jetpack Guy crashing before the race. I saw this on Twitter oh, this afternoon. Word. That is yeah. so, so hairy. So like, sketchy. Oh my yeah. god. Like if you haven't so seen this, go on Formula One's Twitter and look for it and you'll 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 find it. They post Yeah, it you'll know what we're out. talking about. Um it's this dude, he's got a jetpack on, he's got some sort of jetpack extensions on his arms, it's kinda of like an Iron Man suit, but without the yeah. metal bits. And mm-hmm. um yeah, it looks like the one on his left arm kind of gives up the ghost and it just it just goes yeah. plummeting to the ground and they scrape it almost looks like he trips over something invisible in mid-air yeah it's so weird so So, weird so he was fine he was fine he was fine he was why we can laugh about it but like the fact that you see him crash and then the camera cuts to piastri sat in the garage you just kind of pulls a kind of face (laughs) there was a classic like office look to the camera like very jim jim halpert kind (laughs) of moment with uh, piastri which i enjoyed yeah very good (laughs) Uh, then we've got um, only two drivers didn't get a lap deleted in the race. Well done to Norris and <laughs> Joe. Um, 30 seconds of penalties for Ocon. Yeah. Crazy. Um, some people in the Discord are saying uh, Carlos Sainz complaining about being intimidated by Perez. Yeah, that was pretty was lame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was obviously just a strange choice of word that he yeah, went with in so. a second language, but it sounded really weird. Yeah, I think he was <laughs> trying to say that it was a bit too elbows out, wasn't he? That, yeah, that's the, like that's bullying you off the side like, of the yeah. Yeah. yeah, being a bit pushy, but yeah, he just chosen the wrong words there. Um, and then 1,000... 200 track limit infringements investigated over the course think, of a race and then some after the race. I think I'm going to nominate that one just because it's such a ridiculous number. Yeah. I mean, record that will never be broken until next year. I hope not. Until we come back to Austria, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my my vote is with that just because the sheer lunacy the number there it is suggests. Then. Yeah, we're unanimous. Absolutely. So we've already done predictions, but we do need to make some predictions for Silverstone. Before we do that, we need to do the storylines. Who would like to do the storylines this week? I can do the storylines this week in a break from tradition. Go on, Chris. (laughs) Hit us. So first one is the fact that McLaren and Williams are both running special liveries this weekend, which traditionally means they will both have an absolutely terrible time because, as we all know, special liveries bring a curse with them. Um, Mm -hmm. We haven't seen the Williams one at time recording. We have seen the McLaren one. They've added lots of chrome to it, a la um, the kind of early 2000s era. Um, Yeah, it's the Mercedes Vodafone era, isn't it? Yeah. What do we think of the new livery? It's not yeah. terrible. It's all right. Like, yeah, I think the thing it reminds me of for some reason is there's like a middle era 
Force India that it reminds me of because it's silver and orange. <laughs> there was one that was like it was oh, back when Hulk and yeah, the Kingfisher ones were yeah. like Hulkenberg and that were there where it was like kind of a grayy silver orange and then maybe black with a hint like a of green it's, on it as well. Yeah. yeah, it it's basically got those kind of vibes for me. It's like I can see what they're going for, but it definitely reminds me more of those cars than it does the Vodafone McLaren Mercedes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it looks fine. I, I don't yeah. think if I if you if I want if I'm gonna give it a full critique, I would say it doesn't go far enough. But then I understand yeah. that there are restrictions and how far they can go anyway. So yeah. I think within the bounds of what's possible, I think they've probably done about as much as they can. I think it looks it looks kind of cool. I believe my reaction earlier on when I first saw it was putting a different colour on an already bad livery doesn't stop it being a bad livery. <laughs> Savage. Uh, next storyline. <laughs> Uh, next storyline, have Ferrari really turned a corner? Can they continue to compete for the podium at Silverstone? I'm um, not 100% sure. I think they might have... I think their tyre-munching tendencies might be back with a vengeance in, uh, at Silverstone. Silverstone we'll does tend to do that. Mm. Lots mm. of high speed. Um, yeah. I mean, it's tended to be a decent track for Ferrari off the top of my head in recent years, but... Um, but last yeah, year we if had. If anywhere is going to show up that if if they have solved the tire problem or not, it's going to be here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think going back to something I said earlier, um, they surprised me that they held out like they did this weekend with the degradation that we saw. So I think I can turn that into a little bit of a kind of hopefulness for um, Silverstone this weekend. Um, and I think they can at least challenge for those podiums. I don't necessarily think that they're guaranteed to be on it or anything like that. But I think they'll be they'll be they'll be in the mix for it, and they'll be they'll be in that race for a podium. I think, or at least one of them will. Cool. Uh, and then final storyline: Is Perez going to be fit enough to compete at his best? Hope so. Um, Hope so. Yeah, and his best needs to be better as well. Yeah. 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 That's, I mean, um, that is it. You've hit the nail on the head there. Yeah. There's, so, we've kind of done Perez, haven't we? There's not much more to say. I think I, I yeah, will add another storyline. Um, upgrades. There are upgrades still. I do this every week, but there are upgrades coming for a number of teams at Silverstone. Um, so we could see the gap to Red Bull close further. Not that it has closed that much over the course of the season, really. I think like there's definitely some pace being masked in that car, but still I think, you know, they are they are get, everyone's getting quicker and Red Bull seem to have sort of I don't see Red Bull bringing that many more developments to their car from this point on. So especially with the considering the advantage they've got and the and the penalties they've got financially and um wind tunnel wise. So um yeah, I think we could we could see if if the teams can get to grips with their updates quickly, then they ought to be sort of you know doing better and getting getting closer. At least at least the fight behind them will close up. At least the fight behind will close up. Yeah, so that'll be sure. exciting yeah. to see. Right, yeah. let's make some predictions. Who wants to? Match yes, it? let's run through these. So um, as we mentioned earlier in the show, head to backofthegrid.com if you want to get involved with this. You can register if you haven't played before, and it's always worth doing because if you get five out of five across these predictions you do win a prize. Um, but first, it's time for us to make ours. So, fastest in Q3. Chris, where are you going for this this week? I keep saying someone other than Verstappen, 
Um, so this week I'm going to save Verstappen, which probably means it won't be him. Nice, nice self-fulfilling pro- uh, prophecy there. Um, Stu, what about you? Uh, Verstappen for fastest and the win for me, please. Let's not mess around here. I mean, I'm I'm doing the same. I'm tired of losing points because of not doing this. And if it somehow curses us to something different, then so be it. It'll be at least it'll yeah. be entertaining. I, but, I've got to do the same. I think <laughs> this is the most boring bit of the whole of predictions. I think right now, yeah, yeah. Um, Verstappen ruining our format. Yeah, um, just like Hamilton used to in two thousand. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it used to be the so double ham, and now it's the double ver. Yeah. So. Uh, right, let's jump to first DNF then. Uh, any input from you on this one, Stu? First DNF at this circuit will be Logan Sargent. Okay. Chris, any any movement on you for this one? I'm thinking like turn one mid-pack kind of incident, so that feels like a very gasly place to be. Okay. Nice. And... I'm going to go with a similar sort of thing, but I'm going to say Magnussen, maybe getting a little bogged down by faster cars around him after an okay qualifying performance, so something similar. Uh, number of finishers, I'll go first on this one. I've not done one first yet. I'm going to say 16 this week. Uh, Stu, how about you? 19. Ooh, very, very bold. Chris? Only 14 last year. Um... There was a big incident, though, remember? There was. Big incident. Yes. Uh, yeah, three of them will lap one. Mm-hmm. I'll go old 17 in the middle then. Okay, old faithful. And then can you draw us a random driver, please, Chris? I please certainly don't can. Oh, ho, 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 ho. Sergio Perez. Oh. Oh, <laughs> um, oh dear. I'm just going to go first on this one and throw something out there and say fifth. Over to you two. I'll let you battle amongst yourselves between who goes first. Third. Um, it's not first. So. <laughs> third's a good number. I'm going to say fourth. So what we've just secured by making these predictions is a Perez pull position, a Perez win. Hope so. <laughs> so. I'd be okay with that, to be I'd honest. Be fine with that. I, would, I would lose points for that happily. Right. Um, yeah, don't forget to submit your predictions, as we already said. Um, just uh, head over to backwardswind.com and you'll be able to, if you haven't already signed up, you'll be able to sign up and submit your predictions. And there is a prize for anyone who gets five out of five. Okay, let's do some inbox. Is. Uh, keep it saying now. Stay, stay up. Hey, man. First, this week from Tom Murray, who says, Hello, senors. With Mercedes and Ferrari looking like they're starting to catch up, has the window for a cheeky Aston Martin win started to close? Yes. Yes. Started to. Yes. It's not but closed it's still, yet. It's not closed yet. It's still open, but it is beginning to yeah, close, yes. I agree. Yeah. I think in terms of, I mean, you never know when something mad's going to happen and both the Red Bulls are going like, to taken out in a crash or something. But in terms of like actual race pace, looking down at the races left, Hungary, maybe someone could get close. I think Singapore is our best hope of an on pace. 
non-Red Bull win, I would say. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, still plenty of time. Yeah, I think Aston Martin's main problem is is exactly what's kind of described in the question, that the other teams are now getting closer. So the gap that kept Aston Martin ahead of the rest and in touch with Red Bull is kind of now just keeping them in touch with Red Bull and everybody else is almost on that pace, if not already on that pace. Mm-hmm. I think that's where Aston will struggle to take full advantage, but we'll see. Next one, um, Jay Alexander says, back in 2020, Red Bull were allegedly choosing between Perez and Hulkenberg for 2021. How different do you think Red Bull's results would have been? And do you think that anyone else should have been considered? I don't think the results would have been any different, whatever driver they got. That car is designed for Max Verstappen and only Max Mm -hmm. Verstappen. And driver number two is a passenger, as far as the team's concerned. It's just do with it what you can. This this is Max Verstappen's car. Yeah. I think short of them hiring Hamilton. Yeah. Um, or Leclerc. Alonso. Yeah. Vettel. Yeah. Um, I think pretty much anyone else, I agree. I don't think the results would have been all that much different. If anything, I think Hulkenberg might have taken a bit longer to get up to speed, given that he'd been out of the sport, and he might not even have stuck around as long as Perez has been able to. Yeah, I yeah, agree. Possible. Uh, yeah. next one yep uh, Sarah says when will Perez and Max do the Hamilton Rosberg thing and actually take out one another they came close they didn't they spicy in the sprint yeah, yeah. Perez well, said he didn't know he was there which I struggled to buy <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm not believing that for a second he didn't just disappear um, <laughs> how long uh, well I, I think just... I don't think it'll happen because they're not competitive enough it doesn't need no. to happen. Well, yeah. I mean, Perez has got to be up there with him to start off with first, hasn't he? Yeah. Got got that problem to solve first. Like, it took a lot of very, very tight racing with Hamilton Rosberg before one of them finally crossed that line and caused an incident. So, yeah. Perez would need to get much closer for a long time to get to that point, yeah. I think. Yeah. Just on that Rosberg-Hamilton one in, in Spain, when you look back at that, like, it turned right down a straight. <laughs> it was such a mad race, that one. Rosberg did, yeah. And that was Verstappen's very first win, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. Top well, I, I, I do think that's kind of going to have to happen. Something like that is going to have to happen for anyone other than Verstappen to win this season. But um, or, or Verstappen needs some sort of failure, I think. It's gonna. Yeah, I, I think there might be like snapping at their heels by the end. But the way things are going, I think a lot the Red Bulls just sort of suddenly have to be have no pace for for, for them for anyone mm-hmm. else to get a win. Because even I now, think... like he won by he was winning by twenty three seconds when he made his pit yeah. stop. Yeah, yeah. I think we're more likely to get a Ferrari coming together with Max than we are Checo. Yep, that's possible. Yeah. currently stand somebody else. Yeah, next one. Next one from Wesley. Hey, man, did we see a true turn in Logan Sargent's performance yesterday? Could we see Williams consistently challenging for points for the remainder of the season? Um, So for reference, um, I'm not going to look at the sprint stuff, but in qualifying, Sargent was about three-tenths off Albon, I think. Um, And then in the race, he finished a couple of places behind him. Um, Obviously, Austria... A much much shorter track so three tenths here is bigger than three tenths elsewhere but it was definitely one of sergeant's better weekends um 
he's been much further away from Albon than this in previous races. Yeah, I, w- I was going to make a similar point to what you did there, that I'll sort of take the time differences with a pinch of salt considering the circuit we're at. Um, yeah. Be very interested to see what that gap's looking like, a circuit like Silverstone and beyond. Yep, and the final one, um, Lance Stroll down memory lane. Should Mercedes have a la- have should should Mercedes be alarmed that their customer teams McLaren, Aston Martin, maybe even Williams are catching them up on race pace? Um, their upgrades don't seem to be the watershed they anticipated. Um, I don't know about that. I think if you look at the where they were, <laughs> where they are now, I yeah. think it is a bit of a watershed moment for them. But yeah, I, I mean, think there's Martin. more to come as well. There's more to come for all That's those teams. started off ahead of them. So if anything, they've closed... Well, at certain races recently, I've closed that gap. I would say this most recent race, that gap's maybe got slightly bigger again. McLaren have definitely looked like they've found time faster than Mercedes have in recent races. But they had more time to find, though, as well. A yeah, lot yeah more true. To find. Um, um, I think... I'd be surprised if we see Williams snapping at their heels anytime yeah. soon. Yeah, <laughs> I think Williams is pie in the sky, but... Um. Yeah, I think the next. So, like, this was supposed to be the new baseline for Mercedes, and it did move them forward. I think, and I think that the race that in the race coming up, they've got their first upgrade of their new baseline. So, this should yeah. now be adding a chunk of time, in theory, to to the car, a chunk of lap time to the car. So, yeah, and the same's happening. But you know, you got to remember, everyone's upgrading at the same time. So, it's about who's applying upgrades the most effectively and yeah. you know they can only measure against themselves and they can only measure what against what the drivers are saying and if the drivers are saying the car feels better and they trust it more and they can get more out of it then the lap time will come so yeah yeah yep okay well that is it for this week um thanks so much for listening if you've got this far especially thank you so much to everyone in the discord and everyone in listening live to us um once again you can find us on patreon you can find us on all the social medias so do please give bung us a like give us a follow and don't forget to hit that subscribe button if you're watching on youtube um and yeah leave us a comment um get in touch we as you can hear we read out the comments we read out the questions every week and it is so nice to have an amazing community of people who are in constant touch with us all the time so yeah, finally, do join the Patreon. If you want to join that community, um, yeah, everyone who joins Patreon gets a ticket straight into the Discord and um, it's a nice place to be. So on that note, I'll say goodbye. So see you guys. Bye, Bye everyone. everyone.